And, and doesn't the I mean doesn't the free market really work here? Let's let's just say there were no law that that set a minimum wage in in a state, and and a company say paying their their worker five dollars an hour to to do work, but their competitors are paying ten dollars an hour. I mean, aren't the workers who are getting paid five dollars an hour gonna ultimately say, well, you know, conditions over here are a little better that I get paid twice as much. I'm just going to go over there and work. And isn't that really how this system should work? Competition is different today. People can move much more effortlessly in terms of their actual location, or they can earn income talking as we are, um, you know, from a a distance from one another. Uh, So you find new employment and a lot of businesses have made the calculation that paying people higher than their competitors is how they're going to draw the workers that are more fulfilled. Nobody's going to go work for a dollar an hour. Um, Yeah, it does take care of itself. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential. And here's your host, Jeff Crank. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of American Potential. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about the minimum wage. It's easy to be kind of suckered into thinking it's such a great idea. But, you know, think back to when you started your first job. Did you start out at the minimum wage or were you paid more than the minimum wage? Have you ever thought about when the minimum wage was implemented? Well, today we're going to discuss if the minimum wage helps or hurts businesses and workers. It's a simple political concept to sell, right? It's easy for a politician to say it. We're going to force companies to pay workers more. And they say all will be great, but it isn't that easy. You see, some believe that the minimum wage should be set higher because it helps lower income families. But does it do that? Now, others believe that the market should set wages by allowing a business and a worker to come to an agreement without government interference. But is that beneficial for both? Have you ever thought about how the minimum wage impacts you as a consumer? Do you know what percentage of Americans are actually earning the federal minimum wage? All right, let's stop with the questions and we'll dive into the topic. I want to welcome Austin Bannon, who is the policy fellow for Americans for Prosperity. Austin, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so this is a, I mean, politicians sell this. This is an easy one to sell. Like, I'll just go put more money in your pocket. I want to make sure that everybody uh, wants to put more money in your pocket. I'm for the working man. That's what they say all the time. Uh, let's talk about that. We're going to get to that and whether that all makes sense. But let's talk about the history of the minimum wage. Talk about that, that history because it, it does have a long sort of storied history. There are states that do it. There's a federal, you know, fe- federal law. Tell us all about the history of the minimum wage. Yeah. Well, if we go back to human history, I guess there's probably guilds and, uh, and a lot of different regimes and, and people probably fighting in caves um, over, a, a, you know, some kind of working conditions. So, I, you know, it predates what I can talk about. Um, <laughs> but even in America, um, back to 1938 is when the federal government uh, first enacted a, a federal minimum wage. Um, and I think you've brought it up. There, there's a notion that that there's this sort of minimum standard. Everybody ought to make this amount. Uh, and there's just some well of money that we can just pull from uh, without consequences. And everybody will just proceed as they used to. Um, but that's not the case. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot involved here. But it's, it's uh, you know, it's been a case for every every period of time at the federal level. It's been raised. 
been a lot of support from Congress. Um, 29 states and Washington, D.C. have their own minimum wage that exceeds what the federal minimum wage is uh, at $7.50 an hour. And, uh, and then a lot of localities do it as well. And this is something that's kind of gone back and forth throughout history. Sometimes the federal minimum wage goes above what states have had. And, and um, right now, though, I think states have, have, have grown a lot faster than what the federal minimum wage is and often double or even more um, than what we see at the federal level right now. So I'm going to ask, I'll just ask the question that anybody listening to this podcast probably is going to ask, right? Which is what, what the federal minimum wage is $7 and 50 cents. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So shouldn't every American make $7 and 50 cents Austin? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that it would be nice if everybody made 750 or or much more. Um, you know, we're, we're always working on, on ideas around maximum wage. Um, a lot of people make $0 an hour. In fact, right. far more people make $0 an hour that are trying to work, not just those who are out of the workforce, retired, or, or your 10-year-old child, but we're talking about people who are of working age. Uh, that, you know, there's more than twice as many people who, who account for who's on the unemployment roll, and then millions more who are out of the workforce, no longer in the unemployment statistics, but people who would find work if there were the right opportunity. Uh, so I think a lot of times... That's the debate here for me. We're worried about people making $0 an hour, not being able to grab on to the rungs of the uh, you know, lower rungs of, of a ladder if that's what they need to start to get into the economy. They're not getting the experience they need. Um, they're not, you know, most people within a year of earning a minimum wage earn above a minimum wage. They get a pay raise uh, and then far more as time goes. So I think that the biggest issue to us is not how many people ought to make that, but how many people should we allow to be on a career path where they can earn you know, their true potential. Um, and most people aren't stuck in a minimum wage job. It is an entry point in most instances, whether whether it's a teenager, whether it's somebody who's immigrated to America, whether it's somebody in middle age that's trying to recover from um, from different situations in their life or, or just entering the workforce because they were raising children, they want to get started. There's a lot of reasons to enter. Um, we're not looking to keep anyone trapped in any kind of, of wage. We want everybody's potential to continue to rise. Yeah. So how, I mean, obviously there's, there's certainly winners from a minimum wage law, but there's also losers. Uh, Let's talk about that. Who benefits from having a federal minimum wage or a a state law that sets a minimum wage? Who benefits from that? Sure. Well, there are some people who are currently employed um, that would benefit from it. Um, You know, if if there's a significant increase and you retain your job, um, sure, you could benefit to some degree, but uh, I think the intent first, I would say, is usually for lower income families. Let's let's earn a living wage is often a, a, a conversation. Um, but the fact of the matter is most people who earn a minimum wage are not coming from families in poverty. Less than one in five minimum wage earners come from a family in poverty. And the vast majority make 150 percent or more uh, above the, the poverty line. Um, a majority of workers typically are, are teenagers or, or very young in the workforce which suggests, as, as we've sort of noted here, it's a lot of people who are entering the workforce. They need experience, they need income. Um, so, so um, you know, when you start changing the minimum wage, I will note that those who, uh, who get drawn into the workforce tends to a lot of times be middle and upper income families um, where a spouse all of a sudden finds that there's a, a job opportunity that might be worth uh, taking a little extra income into the family or a teenager Maybe that was doing studies and all of a sudden they see a need for extra income. In a lot of respects, it can start to price out even further the lower income families that would be interested in this. 
Um, simply and simply those who have less experience in general, um, you're not going to have that chance to go from zero dollars an hour without a job and then apply. So, uh, you know, the benefit um, doesn't tend to go towards the lower income families that are that are targeted. Um, and then all of the lower income families, just like everyone else, tend to have higher prices. Uh, so we all we all, um, you know, lack lack our same purchasing power uh, when there's a really high minimum wage. Um, I think technology companies are winners because we automate a lot of processes at, at workplaces, whether it's more machinery in a factory or uh, a touchscreen kiosk at, at a fast food restaurant. Um, a lot of times, you know, again, we think of uh, certainly when you're talking about an individual, um, there's a lot at stake. And when they get a pay increase, that's a great thing for them. But we're taking money that a business, again, has to look at as the bottom line. How do we survive as a business? How do we thrive as a business? If you increase costs, uh, you may care about the individual and, and your goal is to pay them more uh, and have a strong workforce. But you also have to keep the doors open so that everyone can continue to earn income. And so you have to adjust. You have to increase prices or decrease how many people work there. That's actually something I would mention as well is you don't necessarily see a lot of people terminated when there's a large increase, but you see less people hired in the future. Mm-hmm. And so over time, you see that workforce diminish. And it, it bears out statistically. The states right now that have increased their minimum wage, particularly significantly over the federal minimum wage, have lower employment rates. They have a larger unemployed workforce, lower labor force participation. Um, there's strong correlation between that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's a, you know, a situation where the intent does not benefit those that you're looking to, intent, uh, to benefit. Uh, it just increased costs on low-income families more than it ever helps them. As you said, most low-income families don't have minimum wage earners. Right. It's only, it's only a, a small force. Only a couple percent of our workforce actually earns the federal minimum wage right now. Yeah. You, you mentioned the automation piece of it. And I, I, I got to tell you, I hate it when I go into a McDonald's now and I have to go up to the kiosk and order at the kiosk. But that that really was forced in a lot of ways by some of these minimum wage laws, right? The government can't necessarily force a company to have to hire a certain number of employees, at least hopefully uh, they, they can't do that in many states. So, Companies have to make a choice. And in many cases, that's just an easier choice for them. So because the minimum wage increases in a state, it's just easier for that franchise owner at a McDonald's or a Chick-fil-A or whatever to high, to to implement the technology and use the technology because it helps them keep their costs down, which they can pass on to consumers, right? Absolutely. And and it uh, you know, I think the the Take up rate of the technology and how people react. It also varies regionally. Even a state is very diverse from an urban area. You know, what you would get paid in New York City just when there's a job opening, if there were no minimum wage, what someone would have to offer in New York City to bring someone to work is very different than Albany, New York, uh, or Buffalo, New York. It's very different, you know, in, in Denver or, or somewhere else um, in the Midwest or, or, or anywhere right out in California and Los Angeles. It's just different. Yeah. Um, so you'll see that uptake rate very different uh, in terms of how they use the technology and, and whether a community wants it or not. So um, one way or another, though, there's going to be a cost to somebody um, when that when that increased labor cost is, is mandated. Right. What, what are the uh, what are some of the states that have the highest minimum wage? Yeah, it's it's, um, it's the West Coast. 
uh, it's often famous for kind of having yeah. setting the trend on, on uh, aggressive sort of labor regulations and mandates. And, and that's the case. Uh, it's, it's places like Washington and, and California, um, you know, New York. Um, it's it's up, up in the Northeast. So that's um, majority of it. But it's in other places. Florida has a had enacted a constitutional amendment um, as well for a $15 an hour minimum wage that's indexed to inflation. So it, it's um, it's not just necessarily what we would call a blue state traditionally. Um, it's it's present, as I said, in, in a majority of states, about three out of five states where there's some kind of increase. What, so talk about what what are the differences in those states? How has that impacted those states? How, what is the labor uh, participation in, say, California versus states that have a uh, that, that that maybe have less of a minimum wage or a lower minimum wage? And, you know, how how does it impact, I guess, people's choices in an economy such as California? Yeah, um, it's it's definitely had a, a notable effect. Unemployment rates are much lower in a place like Florida um, than California, and you can never eliminate minimum wage from a lot of other regulations and, and part of the environment. Um, but you know, it, it has something to do with the cost of living as well, um, and it has something to do with the type of economy. Um, Florida is a is a major tourist destination, for instance, and uh, not only because of COVID. Uh, I should I, I will note this as as something. As well, I'll get back to COVID, but um, Florida had a lot of draw in terms of so many visitors are in the state at any given time that the workforce constantly has needs uh, for people to enter. Uh, so Florida already had a lot of competitive pay um, in many places. Um, so uh, you know they may be able to absorb the, the cost differently um, in some respects that, than a place like California, especially how fast and how extreme a, a pay increase would be. California's is going more like twenty dollars an hour um, for fast food workers uh, in, in certain chains, um, and we're just about to see the effect of that. You know, a lot of these minimum wage laws are are, are somewhat newer when we talk about these major increases. Yeah. Um, but I was also going to note, um, you know, you don't need a minimum wage in many instances. The markets do respond after COVID uh, shutdowns and certain government policies disrupted employment in America. Businesses were offering hundreds or even thousands of dollars in signing bonuses, including restaurants, um, a lot of elevated pay well above the minimum wage conversation in many instances. And so when the market demands it, businesses certainly do that. Uh, but the problem, as we say, is a lot of times a minimum wage forces the issue beyond what a business can, can prepare for and, and sort of maximize its, um, its opportunity to hire the, the right amount of workers and set them on a growth path. Well, and let's talk about that a little bit. You talked about COVID and, you know, the free market kicked in after that, right? People needed workers. And so they, some of these companies had to increase what they were offering to pay or benefits or, you know, work hours, whatever it was. They needed to attract workers to come in. And, and I think that's the argument that a lot of people make is that the free market should be at play here and, and make these decisions rather than government, you know, coming in and arbitrarily setting setting a number. But um, as you look at kind of what's happened, uh, you know, after after we we came out of covid, I mean, where where do you see this this going? I mean, has has the minimum wage really helped people or have does it hold them down in some cases uh, where, you know, they obviously we've talked about some who can't even get a job based on it. And as you said, they have a minimum wage of their minimum wage is zero. But has it helped people coming out of 
out of COVID, uh, you know, the minimum wage, or has it just kind of been a barrier to people? It's, you know, it's been a barrier. And in, in many ways, I said that the automation, um, you know, has, has really moved forward um, in, a, in a drastic way uh, in most places. There's over 10 million job openings in America around in terms of businesses seeking workers. Um, so I'd say that, you know, the uh, in many places that they could offer, uh, you know, they've offered much higher wages just in a natural process. But in other places where there is a need and, and they're uh, um, for employment and and the wages, you know, the demands are different. Uh, people haven't come back to work even with the minimum wages again, because businesses through cost of living in other places haven't been able to adjust to the rising costs. It depends on the, the way your economy is working and, and some city may um, be able to shield what we've experienced the last few years differently than, than another community. So, uh, you know, it operates differently. Um, but, you know, in, in all instances, as we've noted, employment does decrease in, in those areas because yeah. people have to account for it. And, well, you know, and, and doesn't the I mean, doesn't the free market really work here? Let's let's just say there were no law that, that set a minimum wage in, in a state, let's say in, you know, in. New Hampshire or North Carolina. We'll take North Carolina. There, let's say there's no minimum wage law there, or no federal minimum wage law that applied, and and a company say paying their their worker five dollars an hour to to do work, but their competitors are paying ten dollars an hour. I mean, aren't the workers who are getting paid five dollars an hour going to ultimately say, well, you know, conditions over here are a little better that I get paid twice as much? I'm just going to go over there and work. And isn't that really how this system should work? Absolutely. And, and not only, uh, you know, it's in every industry, there's, there's robust competition. Um, what you can earn at one fast food restaurant compared to another, whether it's a McDonald's versus a Chick-fil-A right. or, or any others, um, there's a different, um, you know, approach to employment even from one restaurant to another and within a, within a same chain, there's franchises, yeah. right? So each, each business um, responds to the community differently. So you're right. It's, yeah. it's um, um, you know, a situation where competition uh, and not that I would have endorsed a, a minimum wage a hundred years ago either, right. um, but competition is different today. People can move much more effortlessly in terms of their actual location, or they can earn income talking as we are, um, you know, from a, a distance from one another. Uh, so you find new employment and businesses, because of how competitive it is, they're always trying to survive. And a lot of businesses have made the calculation that paying people higher than their competitors is how they're going to draw the workers that are more fulfilled, uh, that they, they do a better job, and, and the community likes to go there more because of the improved customer service. Um, so, you know, everybody, every business kind of finds its place, uh, and some of them find out that their place is kind of leaving the market. Uh, because they, right. they couldn't get anyone to work for them, right. which is great, right? Nobody, nobody's going to go work for a dollar an hour. Right. Uh, you can offer it, um, and you can set a great price on your menu. But if if you can't get anyone to work, you're not going to sell anything. So yeah, um, yeah, it does take care of itself. Well, and that's the back end of that, right? That company that is only offering five dollars. If their employees start going to the place that's paying ten dollars an hour, pretty soon they they are either going to lose all their workers and not be able to produce whatever product they're making. Or they're going to say, hey, gosh, to compete, maybe we should offer $11 an hour uh, and try and compete for those employees to come back. And maybe they even create better working conditions than they had. Uh, it just seems like those are those are free market things that happen in an economy that actually would improve working conditions for employees more than just some artificial 
number for a, for a wage. That's right. And, and pay isn't the only incentive people have to work, right? right? It's, it's flexibility. Um, somebody may earn less income. If, if, if The more open your market is, the more you can cater to what an individual's need is, just like the business has to cater to its own needs. Right. Somebody may earn less um, because they, they ask for flexibility. And another person, because of the extra time they're able to put there and gain experience, they're going to earn more quickly um, versus someone else. And that's a good thing. Um, you know, I also like to point out because there's a debate around what the minimum wage should be set as. Um, there are those of us, as we say, we're, we're concerned about people earning zero dollars an hour. Um, but uh, and that's why you know we're we're trying to get people into the workplace, and we know they're not going to stay in that job. But everybody who works in this issue does have a limit. You can ask somebody, well, why do we pay people fifteen or seven fifty an hour? Why not fifty dollars an hour? Why not one hundred dollars an hour? Well, that would probably cause some problems for a business to pay everyone $100 an hour. Um, so I think everybody has the same logic here. There's just some notion that, oh, if we set it at the right amount, everybody's just going to operate the exact same tomorrow as they do today when this law goes into effect. Right. But the same effects, even if they're less severe than that, they exist at any price point um, you know, above where, where the market would normally take it. And so uh, that's another thing. I think maximum wages... And your and your ability to be promoted and grow slows in businesses like this because if you raise that floor um, to where workers who 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 are more productive or, or have to be paid the same as somebody who's just entering the workplace, um, you don't have the same amount of resources to start paying people more and, and promoting them. Um, so you, you might you may actually decline the earning potential for many people over a long term as well on top of having reduced employment opportunities. Yeah. Right. By the way, I was at church on Sunday and I was talking to a guy who was next to me and he works at Chick-fil-A and he was telling me that they get like free Chick-fil-A for lunch. And I was thinking, well, I might leave AFP just to get the free Chick-fil-A. You know what I'm saying? So there yeah. are other benefits besides just your salary, right? That's right. You absolutely get different. I mean, perks what would you do for Austin? What would you do for free Chick-fil-A? I would I would do a podcast. I can tell you that much. <laughs> exactly. Please, please do send me that. You'll, I'll, I'll join again if, if you can send me a few Chick-fil-A sandwiches. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. So um, California, California just passed $20. I think is their minimum wage is $20 for certain industries in the state. Companies yeah. are already responding, right, by letting workers go in California. Besides workers being let go, how does it affect people who live in California and who are visiting California. Yeah, well, and the entire state is going to be at least $16 an hour, um, you know, across kind of the board. And, and you're right. So certain industries like fast food, um, certain chains that have enough open, open stores will have to pay this. So um, as we reflect, a lot of places that do have what we call minimum wage jobs based on um, state and federal policies, those are places that are usually supposed to be affordable for consumers. So if you're a low income family, even if you're someone who, who someone in your family is working at, at a fast food restaurant where that minimum wage is, where are you going to go get your food when, when you're living it in time and you're on the go? Are you, you're not going to go to a steakhouse, you know, each day and, and kind of order the, you know, a prime rib or something. You're, you're looking to go to a fast food restaurant and you say, I get good food, but it's affordable. I can, I can, um, I can grab that on the go. So you lose that just like you would at a retail store. Um, whether it's a Walmart or, or anywhere else, you know, where do, where do low income families shop? 
not only low income family shop at Walmart, but the alternatives when you're looking for affordability are, are less than it's somebody who's, who's willing to shop anywhere and, and buy something at any price. Uh, so you're right. It's, it's going to increase the costs. Um, it's already difficult to, you know, for a lot of people in America to probably travel out to California and, and spend a week vacation uh, between the, the costs of hotels and other um, you know, transportation to get out there. And then just the, just to go through a normal day of, of the cost of living. Um, a lot of Americans can't access that uh, or they wouldn't find that worth their time. So, yeah, they're they're putting up a bit of a closed door to those who might come to the state, whether it's a business that wants to open there or it's just somebody who wants to take a vacation uh, and see Disney. It, it, it really does over time, um, you know, put up kind of a, a closed door to, to entrepreneurship and, and, and visitors. Yeah. I mean, if you're a small business owner, let's say, and there's a minimum wage law that goes into effect, you have you may have to pay your employees more. But at the same time, you're, in order to do that, you're going to have to make your prices rise a little bit, which may cause fewer people to visit your store. I mean, that, that so they're really the ones that get caught in the middle, right, are small business owners and and people who uh, who, who are just trying to balance the books. Yeah. And you're in, in some essence, you're, you're sort of being pushed into this, you know, approach where it's like you either got to be a big business or you got to look for the black market. Um, uh, um, and we're not encouraging you know, people that try to have an underground economy. Right. Um, but Americans, when they try to respond to something like this, right, the, the larger businesses. And this isn't this isn't to say that we're supposed to stick it to the large business. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a, a large, successful business. But. Um, in terms of being able to handle mandates like this, there's some efficiency that a business who has a, a hundred workers or a thousand workers or a million workers, um, what they can handle versus a small business that has 10 employees or 20 employees or two employees. Um, so the, um, the ability to adjust for these things, you know, kind of takes away that, um, that entrepreneurial drive. You know, the next great business may be less likely. Um, as a as a sort of a secondary effect of this, right? It's not not right. just that lost employment today, um, but some sort of unrealized potential and, and opportunity, um, you know, for major growth. Right. Well, and then something that some listeners and our viewers may not know is that unions, labor unions, can actually negotiate pay below the minimum wage. Talk about that. How does that happen? Yeah, there's a uh, a, a, a term. It's called escape clauses. And uh, the notion, and it's not only for minimum wages, but minimum wages are um, a place where there's been a lot of focus for this. But union contracts, their collective bargaining contracts, will have clauses where they can escape the mandates that all the rest of us face. And it sounds like contract freedom. You know, maybe we'd all like to be able to get away from the grips of government when we when we try to negotiate a contract. Um, but it's set up to favor unions in particular, not any of us. Um, we don't have contract freedom. It's only if you're going through a union. So. This notion has has been in play in uh, not just California and, and, and Washington and New York, but in a number of places um, where unions tend to have um, you know, higher membership rates. And essentially, they say we're you know they lobby for the minimum wage increases, but then they as a means to try to organize. But we have a, an exemption if you if you as a business will open your doors to the union and not oppose us unionizing your workers. We want you to know. That we actually can can negotiate a contract where you may not have to pay that awful new mandatory you know wage that you're worried about the the wow. livelihood of yourself. So we can help you. Um, so 
I don't know how often it's deployed, but it, it is very common in the contracts to see it. Um, and it instantly sort of changes the you know, unions leveraging that just to get sure. their foot in the door. That's that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is workers actually um, being exploited. They have to pay union dues to now make less money than somebody in the same industry doing the same kind of job um, that isn't in the union. So you get a pay cut on both ends. Um, and your money helped lobby for it, so that's yeah. that is something that happens. Um, um, thankfully, it uh, you know we don't hear about it in each and every place, um, but that's that's certainly another factor in the minimum wage um, that uh, people need to be mindful of. Right. Uh, final question: What would happen if the federal minimum wage just went away? What do you think would happen? I think we'd see the labor force participation rate that. Um, has actually ten- trended downwards a little bit in recent years. Um, would would have a chance to uh, to restore? Uh, I think the 10 million open jobs in America, um, you would see a difference um, in how many of those are. You would see the fact that unemployment might dip below um, the amount of people earning a minimum wage, and we'd see a lot of that extra growth. You know, the growth of small businesses, new new entrepreneurship. Um, people wouldn't be making a dollar an hour. Um, no business could could find workers to do it. Um, you know, we're, we're already over time when the federal minimum wage doesn't increase, like it's been at 750 for an hour. It tends to, it tends to capture more and more of, uh, allow more and more people to be sort of enter the workplace. Um, so, um, you know, even if it doesn't increase, it kind of be, goes above what the normal market might be. Um, but again, that's not for most people. This is for a, a small portion of Americans gaining work, entering the workforce. It's not a career. Nobody has minimum wage careers, right? It's just, it's a start to our career. And we jump, you jump from $0 an hour to something, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, and we would see more of that in America, um, not exploitation. Competition would, would ensure um, that everybody who's, who's entering the workplace gets a benefit out of it. Right. Right. Well, Austin, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. And, you know, pointing out some of the, the, the other side, the politicians love to say, oh, I'll, I, you know, make sure I get your wage up. But there is a, a negative side to that. And, and thanks for sharing what that is. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, I started from the humble beginnings of a minimum wage job myself. And, and here I am talking about America's potential, you know, if we can, if we can change the policy. So, uh, you know, we, we can all, we can all start there and, and, uh, and, and go on to the, the career path we're looking for. Yep. And see, and, and we're talking about how many Chick-fil-A sandwiches we can eat for lunch. So, you know, we've made That's it, right. Austin. Right. Um, Monica, we do need to figure out if we were to offer Monica for people to get a free Chick-fil-A sandwich, if they became a guest on this show, I think we would have probably the greatest guests ever in the history of this show. Anyway, all right. Well, listen, thanks for joining us. We appreciate you joining us talking about this issue of the minimum wage. And hopefully you learned a little bit uh, about free markets and how they work. Thanks for joining us. Liberty and freedom, they're easily taken for granted. Don't take those things for granted. Go out there, defend freedom, defend liberty. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com. Potential.com.